Welcome to Pop Culture Retro, which was recently voted the 15th best podcast by the residents of the Golden Years Retirement Community in Boca Raton, Florida. Each show, we'll revisit some of your favorite pop culture memories with insider and outsider perspectives. Now, please help me welcome your hosts, Ike Eisenman and Jonathan Rosen. Hello, and welcome to another edition of Pop Culture Retro. I'm one of your hosts, Jonathan Rosen, along with Ike Eisenman. And today we are thrilled to welcome a multifaceted performer, actor, singer, director, producer, entrepreneur, and author of Singing to a Bulldog, from Happy Days to Hollywood Director and the Unlikely Mentor Who Got Me There, Anson Williams. Anson, thank you for joining us. Oh, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. I'm uh, so... Before we get anything yeah. else, though, I want to yeah, I want to talk about something. You, <laughs> you and I know each other from before, and you also have a, a connection from way before Ike was telling me from from uh, Victory Canteen. His father is Al Abel, mm -hmm. and believe it or not, I mean, you know, I, you know the whole story where I was standing in line for hours. Your father, your the. I wasn't replacing your father. They needed an understudy because your dad was going on vacation for two weeks. Uh -huh. So they needed somebody fast. So I'm in an open audition in the equity line waiting up way the hell up Ivar Boulevard for hours to get in to audition. Thank God you didn't have to dance very well. Thank God. A little of this, <laughs> little of this, and I was, and I was it. So no, so I get the job to replace your dad for two weeks. Then I become the understudy and the assistant stage manager. But I now dig this, dig this, man. <laughs> Brand new show. Yeah. Like all new everything, all new songs. Patty Andrews is a trip. Um, I had 48 hours to learn the entire show. Oh 48 hours. The oh entire my God. Like you're, like you're on and you're, and you're doing the show. 48 Holy hours. Cow. Back then, back then all, all, what, all what years was this? This was 1971. 1971. Yeah. And I had a, and back then you had little tape players. So I'd sit there and I'd go, I'd be in the lighting booth. Or the, I'd be going, he goes stage right, he goes stage left, he goes downstage, he goes upstage. You know, <laughs> then I'm trying to learn these songs. So anyway, there was that, re, the, the director was this choreographer. choreographer choreographer kind of guy and not a lot of emotion um and i'm working my butt off i'm and, and we do the show i don't remember to this day and he comes up to me and i'm thinking boy, you got through it oh you don't, don't you you love that you love that feedback right oh yeah, yeah. i felt i felt so damn confident it was a real <laughs> initiation to show business you know it's a business to give you lots of confidence right i <laughs> Oh, absolutely. You want to feel great about yourself? Go into yeah. show business. Yeah. And then buy just, your God, just what really if? quickly, because this is this was like such a special show, I have to say, because I was nine years old when all this I happened. Know. And it's called Victory Canteen. It was a, um, a musical uh, written by the Sherman Brothers and um, starring Patty Andrews and my yeah. father and I, you see i'm not sure brian avery i think was actually the lead lead and i think my father might have even been captain. his understudy yeah no no um, no it was your dad's understudy no no okay because I, no. I, I, I don't really remember 
Well, he, you know, your dad went up. So I, for two weeks, I played the part. And yeah. then he came back, he took over. And then for quantities, I was the understudy. Yeah. And damn it, he was never sick, so never got on. So then, um, and then, um, <laughs> oh, and I've got another funny story about the show. Anyway, um, and I became assistant stage manager. You know, when the big ears came out, I was pushing oh. one of them. You know, like, <laughs> oh, yeah. my God. <laughs> so, so anyway, um, but after a few months, your dad got another gig, so I took over at that point. And, um, uh -huh. and actually, the show was a turning point for me. Um, it's, uh, it's so, so everyone, I, I thought, oh my God, I got a show in Hollywood. I'm going to, I'm on stage. This is it. And the cast is laughing at me. The only people who come here are old ladies in the afternoon. <laughs> it's, 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 no one gives I, a crap. I remember that. I remember yes. seeing them because that was actually really true. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and they were, and I thought, no, and they were right. Um, uh, old ladies and wheelchairs came. So um, I finally thought, you know, uh, if the mountain doesn't come to you, go to the mountain. So uh, I went to one of the largest agencies, IFA at the time. Hmm. And uh, I went up there to tr try to talk to some agents to come see the show, not realizing they could care less. Like, who are you? Yeah. I, go up, I, go, I go up there, found a parking spot up the street. Uh, I go up there and I go up to the receptionist who's really like not very nice. And uh, she goes, do you have an appointment? I go, no, but I'm in this great show, man. I'm in this great show. It's, it, it really, I would really suggest these agents come down. They get, there's some good talent here. They got, they got to come down and check. Well, now if you don't have an appointment there, I go, you know something, you're wrong. They got to come see this show. There's talent here. I said, I know I'll, I'll just sit here and when someone's available, let me know. I'm sitting down there for like one hour, two hours, and all of a sudden the doors are opening. People are looking out, and they're looking out in the in, in the lobby, and and, the, and then you know, she's starting to call security. You know, really, <laughs> you gotta, I go, you're lost, you're lost. <laughs> so, and I'm, and I'm sitting there, and finally, the there's there's kind of a major door that the office area, it opens up. This guy comes out in a suit. You, kid, come here. I go, I walk in there. I, 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 I literally, it happened just like this. I come up to him. I say, are you an agent? <laughs> yes. Oh my God, I'm gonna come down to Victory Canteen. We've got talent you can't believe. For two hours, he goes, would you shut up with me? We go inside, right? We go, I'm in, I am inside. It's the, it's the Taj Mahal, man. I am in, and then we go to the smallest office, you know, but it still looked large to me. And I stood there, he goes, sit down. And I go, what? He goes, you know, we've been hearing about this pain in the ass kid sitting in the lobby. And I go, <laughs> and I go that's me. And he, and he goes, you're very lucky. He go, why? First of all, can you act? I go, yeah. And now, by the way, I never had an acting lesson in my life. Musical comedies, la da 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 da. It's nightclubs. It's usual to be right. All that drama, never. So, <laughs> so I'm. I mean, do, do they go? Do you act? Oh, oh yeah, oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He goes. Well, uh, you're lucky. 
He said, we just got this breakdown while you're sitting out there. It's for guest stars and own martial counsel law way back then. <laughs> and he said, and they need high school football players at over 18. And uh, you're, and, and he goes, how old are you? Like, I'm over 18. He goes, great. He said, I'm going to take a chance with you because we don't have anyone like you here. And, and, oh, wait. Oh, wait. Can you play football? Can I play football? Mm. And I did. Actually, I did play football. <laughs> oh, thank so, goodness, because I know that you never say no I in Hollywood. I, no, I did play football. So, uh, so anyway, I, uh, he goes, okay, 10 a.m. tomorrow morning, the studios, the Black Tower, John Epstein's office. Mm. So I walk out with an audition. <laughs> and he said, if you get, he said, if you get it, I'll sign you. I go, wow. I'll sign me. And I walked out. I literally did sit down strike and got a issue. So the next morning, I'm there at 10 a.m. It's not like today where they give you, give you, you know, sides on your computer or videos. You got there early. Remember, Ike, you, you, oh, take, yeah. the, you take your sides yeah. and you, uh, you, you figure it out and you go in and, and you talk. So I get down there early. I get, and I'm playing... And remember, no drama at all. I'm auditioning for a football player that dies in an overdose of drugs, and it's the death scene. Oh, good grief. Oh, my gosh. And, and I'm going, all right, okay. So I'm waiting, waiting. And it's very intimidating, the Black Tower at the time. You know, it's very intimidating. So yep. I'm waiting and into John Epstein's office, who's the producer. It's a cat lady in a chair. You know, reading that reads with people, and there's this quirky guy kind of walking around like this. Didn't introduce me to him. And John, hi, I'm John Epstein. Da, 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 da. And I just remember the carpeting was so cool. It was like thick. <laughs> it was like thick. You, you kind of gl glided through it. And I went, that's really cool. So I read, I fall off the chair, and I die. And I die good. <laughs> and I get the part. Directed by Steven Spielberg. Oh, we'd ask about that, right? Wow. wow. He had already done Duel, but John yeah. Epstein was his friend. They broke matzah because a, a, a director had uh, had canceled, and last minute Spielberg, without prep, came in to do the episode. <laughs> well, then I get signed to the agency. Now I'm a client, and guess who? And guess who came to Victory Canteen? Agents for the first time. Oh yeah, sure. Yeah. Now they do. <laughs> and, then, and, and, you know, and you know who they signed? Terry Gar was one of the was one of the. Oh um, my wow. God, that's right. Dude. Wow. That was one of one of the first things <clears throat> she ever did. My yeah. father talked about. I mean, of course, you know, it's all it's all history now. But he talked about what an incredible talent she was. And of course, I was too young to really appreciate what what all of what I was seeing. But my, what a great show! And she was amazing. Yeah. Yes. So yeah, so there you go. And it all yeah. came that all became part of Victory if, if, without Victory Canteen, I would probably wouldn't be talking to you now. Oh my gosh. Well, that oh. is absolutely amazing. Well, I mean, I know you're from originally from Los Angeles. What 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 uh, um what got you into the business? Was it always a you know a a a, a desire for you or how did you how did you get involved to begin with? I just, I've always had a, 
a secret desire, but just, just I was just a number in the world, mm-hmm. you know, a, um, you know, GI Bill house, little 1100 square foot house with one bathroom and just a number in the world with, with this desire. And then when I was 18, you know, I decided to go for it. My dad went for it and kicked me out of because they're depression kids. What are you out of your mind? Yeah. It, it, it actually looked like I was nuts. And I went out, I started singing at talent nights, you know, around town. Mm-hmm. There was the um, Little Club had talent night. Um, um, oh gosh. Um, Jack Callie's by CBS at a talent night, Knickerbocker Hotel at a talent night. And you go with your wallet sheet music and sing a song or two. And one thing led to another. I heard about equity auditions. I started standing in lines. And my that's when I got my first job as an apprentice in Summerstock. Hmm. Uh, and I got my equity card at the end of the season. And so I, so the first, the first line I stood in that wasn't non-equity to audition was Victory Canteen. I could, oh, stand, I could stand in the equity line of open auditions. <laughs> crazy man crazy yeah yeah it's it it's it, it's incredible it's such a fascinating uh business you know have every, every everybody everybody comes to it because yeah yeah incredible <laughs> you think back you think of the odds you go, what the what how did this happen <laughs> it's like the odds are so against you <laughs> oh absolutely i mean you know no matter where you come from or who you are are you still acting? I mean, you were really on a roll there for a while. No, no, I, I, um, I basically retired probably almost twenty years ago. I, um, um, and twenty years prior to that, I had kind of moved away from my on-camera career. I, I got tired of it. I've been since I've, I've been working since I was nine years old. As a matter of fact, I started doing commercials right around the period of time of Victory Canteen, and my father had me come to the rehearsals so I could learn a little bit more about you know how the business worked in terms of all that stuff. So, you know, really having spent an entire life in it from my childhood, by the time I was in my early twenties, I was basically exhausted and looking for like something else to do. And I got into voiceover work, so I did the I did behind the scenes voice work for a really long time and had a blast doing but all that's that. That's so much better. That's so yeah. much Oh, better. it was so much more fun. No auditioning for me. I was, you know, I, 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 I uh, yeah, yeah, that was a thing. And that's the thing about perform- performers that I have so- always um, really appreciated is, 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 you know, it's such a huge part of the business auditioning, you know, whether or not you're taking a chance standing in line and maybe getting a, you know, one in a thousand yeah. shot to go, you know, get up in front of people and show what you can do. But when you start to get into the grind of being a working actor and, you know, every day after school and all of that for the course of my life, I just said, you know what, I think I need to find something else. And I was fortunate that I, I came across uh, the voice, the voiceover work and that fed me for it, both in mind, spirit and my bank account for a really long time. So <laughs> yeah. yeah that's good. <laughs> and then what did, what did you transfer into? Um, I actually, I just, I, I, I retired. I moved out to Florida. I, um, I've done a few other things. Um, but, but really I'm, I'm, I in a very fortunate position where I'm, I'm, I'm legitimately retired now. I can kick back and have fun and do things like this without having to worry about paying, paying the bills anymore. Really? So that's a nice thing. Yeah. I hate you. 
I really hate you. <laughs> well, you ended up, I mean, we're going to get to this a little bit later in more you're detail. You're, but... too, you're too damn young. For... <laughs> Put it this way, you're too damn young to be retired and happy. Yeah, I, well, there well, there you go. But, uh, you know, yeah. you, you, it's always part of the plan. But then, of course, then suddenly when it when it actually works out, you think, my gosh, how did that happen? Because it's the craziest business in the world to try to plan anything. You know, you could never plan, you know, vacations, uh, let alone, you know, how are you going to pay your mortgage, you know, unless you're on a hit series like you were, which is, <laughs> a, a, you know, beyond one of the hugest achievements that we all we all envy. And that was the thing I wanted. I wanted so badly to be on a series. So I didn't have, it was all for me, it was all about not having to audition, but getting to work. And right, so, right, right. you know, I envied all of you guys that, that, that landed those amazing gigs and, you know, moved on from there. But uh, yeah, that was, that yeah. was definitely very, very lucky. Not so much doing this, doing the show, just everyone who was part of the show. It was, mm -hmm. it, it's just such an instrumental part of, of, of moving forward in life, you know, yeah. just priorities and wonderful mentors and uh, um, uh, what create oh, an amazing creative experience where Gary Marshall really inspired us to wear many hats and helped us learn many areas of the business. So we weren't just actors, you know, we could yeah. we really, we, 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 we use Paramount Studios as a college, you know, when I was interested in directing and well, Ron Howard and I did a lot together selling shows, but I would, um, Gary opened up the studio next to room Polanski when he was doing in the back lot, asking him mm. questions. I was, uh, um, um, let's see, Dave, um, uh, gosh, um, ah, Dave the Locust. Um, it's out of my head. <laughs> Oh, and you're laughing at me now? Thanks oh. a lot. <laughs> by the way, oh, so friend, much more goes out of my head now than goes by, into by, it. Yeah, it's not by the way, way, friend, it's John Schlesinger. Okay, so <laughs> I was watching him do the locus. I watched, uh, you know, all the grease numbers being done back there. So I just had the years and years of a masterclass mm -hmm. on the lot, just observing and asking questions with with the best. Wow. Well, we wanted, we wanted to ask. I mean, you started. The happy they started with a love american style episode right and then that's how that's how this whole thing it was a pilot it was that was the pilot that was put into that it was, it was yeah it didn't yeah it was a pilot that they aired on love american style to get their money back you know so mm. it, it, it wasn't it, it was def, it was a pilot period but um it was a much softer pilot and it didn't have fonzie it didn't have ralphie had a different mr c different Joni. The only only uh, regulars, the only uh, cast members that went to the new pilot was Ron, myself, and Marion Rost. And it was a much pilot, more like Summer 42. And I played character, like getting rich in trouble. And it was really sweet, very sweet pilot, very sweet show, very soft, didn't sell. And uh, a year later, American Graffiti came out and um, see American Graffiti, Came out and Greece was a hit on the way and and the network thought hey let's try it again but this time let's do it uh more like graffiti you know edgier you know show and thank god this time they added a little character named Fonzie and <laughs> and actually 
And Ron and I had had to, had to audition again, this time screen test. That's what I was going to ask you. They, if you had an audition or the role was already yours from before. Yeah. No, they took it away. We had to get it back. Wow. They thought we might be too old. So we had a screen oh, wow. test this time. And Don actually screen tested for Potsy, Don Most. Mm. They loved him so much, they created Ralph for him. Wow. And, uh, wow. and then Henry had a small little part. And it was actually between... It was written as kind of a big, goofy kind of guy. And um, Mickey Dolan, it was between Mickey Dolan's and Henry. And uh, Henry had a whole different interpretation of the character. And he, uh, and he, he invented this brilliant, brilliant character by himself. And the rest is history there. People asked, constantly asked if I was jealous of his popularity. Not that we were unpopular, but and I said, are you kidding me? He bought me a house. I'm hanging, <laughs> I, I'm hanging on his coattails, man. <laughs> you know, I said, go, baby. Hey, keep going. <laughs> well, that, no well, that's problem here. <laughs> well, that's interesting because I, I just rewatched the first couple of episodes and the tone was so different. I mean, besides Fonzie being like such a bit player, the tone of the series was so different than what came later on. I mean, did you, where, as it's happening, why did they make that change in tone for one? We were almost canceled. Um, when we first started the show, uh, I think the highest we got was like 15 in the top 20. And we came in at mid season in 74. And um, the next, so we did that season, okay. The next season, we, we went down to 48th place. Oh. And Fred Silverman came over to ABC and Gary had this idea and Jerry Paris, our director, let's change the show to a three camera live audience. I think these kids can do it. I think they can pull it off. He said, I think if we bring, bring Henry more up front and we, uh, and we um, kind of change the tone of the show and make it a sitcom in front of an audience, I think, I think, I think it'll take off. Well, that year, from 48th place to number one in the world. Oh. And we stayed there. And that's, that's when it became a phenomenon. And, you know, the minute that once we went three camera, that's when it became Happy Days. Because even your, your those, yeah. Oh, sorry. But like those were the days when, when, you know, the executives would actually, you know, cultivate the, 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 you know, the, the, the the programming that they had and, and, and be willing to risk turning it around and investing in it. I mean, you know, that's, it it, it's amazing how many of these hit shows are fall at the whim of someone who says, you know, no, I think we can make, I think we can, I think we can push this forward. Let's, and, you know, make a few changes in it. And it's like, it's, it's extraordinary. That's why they get paid the big bucks, obviously, but you know, thank goodness for that, because we all benefited from it, not just uh, not just you guys. Well, it, it, yeah, it also uh, it brought a lot of talent, you know, on many different shows, spinoffs mm. and happiness. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, um, yeah, it was, uh, you know, it was it was a different. I don't know. It was it, it was much simpler. There were three networks, mm-hmm. and it was, and, and television now, and you know, like it's becoming fast food. Yeah. What's hot? There's, there's no hard. There, there is, there are the great shows, but there's too many that are just, you know, um, turn them and burn them kind of shows. Yeah. Just, just let's let. They're almost like Inquire State of Mind shows. 
they're interesting for a while, they make some money and next. Right. You know, there's no heart to it. There's no substance to it. There's no real purpose for it other than to titillate, you know, and, you know, and get some commercial money. So uh, it's, it's, it's a, even though there's much work these days for actors, I just think it's really difficult because it's difficult to stay. It's different. You know, if you get the wrong six episodes, you don't hit, you're done. You're, you're, you're starting, I mean, you're, you're almost worse off by not by then you're almost worse off. You'd be better off not getting it. Right. Than getting oh this. yeah. Yeah. Well, cause yeah, you're on the show, then you're out of the loop. You can't, you don't have the opportunity to, to, to move on to something else that might hit. Yeah. It's, it's, I, 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 it was, it was tough enough back in, in, in my day. I cannot imagine what uh, performers have to, yeah, have to, have to deal with these days. Well, I direct, you know, I directed the last big show I directed was Secret Life of the American Teenager. I did a third of them and mm -hmm. with Shailene Woodley and some really good guests. Um, but I really tried to inspire these young men, these, hey, it's for me. I said, this can be the best, this will be the best for you or the worst for you. Because mm -hmm. they're going to, you're going to, you're locked in here. You got to, you, now you've got to start expanding, you know, and, and, don't worry about your dress room and worry about doing a great job and, and look for opportunities to wear other hats in this business. Mm -hmm. Otherwise it's very, it'll be very difficult to continue in this business. You know, it's, you, you lose, you lose more than you win. So, you know, uh, so I, which I is, to, which yeah, is very difficult. It's very, it's very difficult. Um, it was difficult for us too, but we, we were very lucky. I was able to, I, look, I was able to create a show, go, go into a network and sell it. And I mean, it was just interesting. It was, uh, there wasn't 18 layers, somebody, you know, there's not 82. It's so funny, Gary Marshall never had a development person, ever, ever, <laughs> never, he never said, it's like happiness. Oh, I think Cindy and Penny, because let's do a spinoff Laverne and Shirley. I think it'll be funny. Let's try a, a segment, let's try. <laughs> Oh, it's pretty good. I think we'll have a series. Great. Then, uh, and, and then, and then, uh, Mark and Mindy. Well, you know, Mark and Mindy is a total fluke. You know that. Do you know the story of that? I don't really know, but I got the opportunity to to watch the pilot being shot and um, was, of course, fried and blown away. But please fill us in. And you, you came on the Friday, right? That wasn't a pilot. Yeah. It was a segment of television. Oh, okay. There was never, Robert. There, there was no. There's no more, no nothing, nada, nido, nada. It was like, <laughs> this, I'm literally Scotty Marshall at the time, who was 10, um, came out of Star Wars with his dad at the Chinese theater and said, Dad, do a Martian episode on Hannity. And, and, and do a Martian episode. You I'm, please, Daddy, please, please. All right, maybe if it's a dream, like if we can have a Martian, if it's a dream, and then it's like, <laughs> makes sense. All right, so on Mondays, Mondays, the, 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 um, the protocol was, A, you read the script for the next week because the writers are there and now they can rewrite. Then you read the script for that week that you're rehearsing, right? Mm -hmm. So we sit down, <clears throat> we go, Mork for Mork. It is the worst piece of crap you could. It was unreadable. I'm telling you, it was 
and they had the worst writer on staff write it, who's now rich out of, out of being horrible. Rich because of Robin Williams. Wealthy because of Robin Williams. The worst. It was, and, and Henry Winkler, who was like this gentleman, and then that, and that said, this is boop. <laughs> boom. So how can we, and Gary goes, don't worry. We'll fix it. We got it right. We'll fix it. It'll be good. All right. So um, we um, we go. We rehearse. So you know. We, so we do the show that week. Fine. Right. Next Monday we're there. Read the show for the following week. Fine. Read Mork for Mork. It's worse. Oh. It's so. It's like we're like. I'm going. How do you? How do you even? How? How do you do that? It's like it was so bad. Mm. So, oh, we got to do it. And they cast some guy as Mark. A pop, and he's kind of big, kind of goofy guy. And he wasn't bad. The script was, it was undoable. Okay, so Monday we rehearsed, Tuesday we rehearsed, Wednesday we rehearsed. And then Thursday morning, you're done rehearsing. Thursday morning is camera blocking. You know, no writers mm -hmm. on the set, all mechanics. And then you do a run through for the writers. Couple of more notes. Friday, you're doing an afternoon show and a night show. I mean, you're done. Mm -hmm. Wednesday night, the actor quits. He goes, oh. I, can't, I can't be on camera with, he walks up, quits. Holy cow. Yeah, <clears throat> Mary Marshall comes down. We got a problem. Does anybody know a funny Martian? <laughs> Al, Al Molinero goes, well, there's this, there's this kid in my Harvey Lumbeck uh, improv class. It's Robin Williams. Oh He's my pretty God. funny. He's a good And then Ronnie Hallen, who's Gary's sister, who's, oh yeah, I heard of him. He, uh, he was on the new Laughing for six episodes, but um, he, um, he's, yeah, he's funny. Bring him in, bring him in. So, okay. So next day's camera blocking. Now there's never a writer on the set for camera blocking ever. I mean, it's just mechanics. Donna, Donnie and I come in a little late because we're, we're not in the first couple of scenes. So we come in, you know, maybe an hour and a half into it, two hours into it. And I get on, I get on the set, every writer is there like this. They're, they're like this, writing, right? Putting notes down, like, like, like maniacs. Jerry Paris, our director, comes up. He's a genius. He's a genius. He's a genius. Wow. And we look, we go, there Williams reinventing the whole damn show. Nanu, nanu. This, I mean, all that, none of that. He invented it all on the spot out of his head, standing wow. on his head. But, and, and they're like this. Right? Okay. Okay, that's, that's Thursday. By Friday night, it's the show you saw. <laughs> <laughs> brilliant one of the greatest shows written by robin williams man oh, i'm holy cow just, I, I saw god i swear it with this i mean i never saw i never saw such genius and a light on this man it was it, it, and, there, and and you saw that night people screaming and applauding and yeah but the world didn't know him yet oh it was crazy it was like where the heck did this come from it really yes. was insane yes People were out of their minds. 
Next, and now, but no one knows yet. Next Friday, mm -hmm. there's Robin Williams giving us all those little gifts, thanking us. Ah. <laughs> this most sensitive, kind man, sensitive, kind man. And, uh, and then um, um, Gary thought, you know, there's a series here. We got to put, and he goes, he goes, and he goes, there's a girl actress. She did, she played a nun in a pilot. We didn't sell, but Pam Dauber, she's really, she's, she's funny. She'd be, she could handle him. And so he created, he created Mark and Mindy. Uh, okay. He uh, put, he put film together from that show you saw, film mm -hmm. with Pam and sold 13 episodes of Fred Silverman without going in the office. Oh my God. There you have it. And Mark and Mindy and Robin Williams, uh, where would he ever get a show that where he could be a hundred percent, just a hundred percent. Yeah. And he just, and that's, that's the Mark and Mindy story. There was no development. There was, it was from God. It was from a divine intervention, man. That was it. And incredible. there you go. Absolutely yeah. incredible. Absolutely incredible. Good grief. Amazing to I me mean, the Hollywood machinations that can happen so quickly like this. I, I, well, I, I saw I saw magic so many times doing happy it's just magic of just spontaneous you know decisions and you know no, no big just from the heart boom let's do it boom let's do it all instincts the whole time not a bunch of meetings not a bunch of anything just talented people moving forward with their instincts yeah. how, how long did how long did it kind of take I mean, because every every show, you're basically an ensemble group when you're doing a sitcom and this kind of thing, and and you have to find your groove because then your groove perpetuates the quality of the show. But how quickly did you feel like all your characters came together and you felt like you were you were working as as a team in in, in building the show? Right, right from the beginning. Yeah, it was just hmm. a, and that's the other thing about the show. It was well written and all. But you can't, it's, 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 it's lightning in a bottle. The, the chemistry of that cast, that yeah. undefined, it's that undefinable something that just brings it up. Yeah. And it rarely happens. You know, I Love Lucy. There's certain shows, Archie Bunker, you know, on the, there, there are the times where it's just like perfect. Yeah. And it was just perfect. It was just this incredible uh, talented group who all got along and, who loved each other and we just played we just played with it you know and we were just it just all came together day one man yeah. incredible well you had you had mentioned i mean about henry winkler i mean like i said I, I just watched the happy days episodes and you were in the very first shot of the series the very first one was you also so what happened at some point because uh, when i was a kid henry winkler was like on everything on like a lunch boxes on folders okay. in school so the show just blows up. How did that change your life at that point? I mean, that, you know, you, you were said you were struggling as a series a little bit, and then all of a sudden it's this monster hit. How does everything change for all of you guys? Well, um, thank goodness we had mentors like Ron Howard. who he, he, he was already a veteran and a star. And Ron always had humility and an amazing work ethic and worked very hard, wanted to be a director, really worked toward that. Uh, and Gary Marshall early on told us, listen, uh, inspired us to take advantage of the Paramount lot, learn many areas of the business. Um, he said, I'll do anything. For you. This is like my college. I'll do anything for your boys. I'll do. He says, I would, you know, 
I will do anything, but don't come to me and say you don't like your dressing room. Don't give me that crap. He goes, <laughs> he goes, use this productively. He goes, it's not going to put money in your pocket or by doing stuff like that, that means nothing. Mm. You know, live with your dressing room, okay? You got problems with script, you come to me. You got an idea to make it better, you come to me. You know, you don't like, but don't tell me you don't like the wallpaper in your room. You know, don't come to me. So, wow. so, and basically, I mean, it was just, so we were the, I mean, for a while we were the Beatles. I mean, it was, it was, I mean, if I did a concert, it'd be 60,000 people, huh. <laughs> you know, at, at, at Ohio State Fair. It'd be over, it was, you know, where you're singing on a, you're singing on a show where there's 60 million people watching you every week. It's like, you know, so mm. we really, we really understood fame, the bullshit of fame. We understood, we understood it. And we understood, also understood it ain't us. You know, it's a situation, because boy, I'll tell you, how come three weeks before Happy Days started, I had a fight for a day. All of a sudden I'm hot. All of a sudden I'm like, I'm happening, man. I'm, see, what happened, what happened 12 weeks ago? You know, <laughs> you know what did you change deodorant? A little cologne, what the heck? Now I'm like, now I'm like irresistible. Give me a break. You know, it's like, so all of us, none of us, we all knew what it was. Nobody got caught up in it. Really, we just were, we were, we were artists. We were, we wanted to, um, we wanted to learn. We wanted to progress and we all used it productively. And no, nobody got caught up in the mishigash of fame, which is total fantasy anyway. We just, we just, uh, we grounded ourselves and worked hard. And Gary Marshall and actually Ron Howard, they were, were very much the uh, inspirations to, to keep that way. I mean, people would come up to me and, and, and say, what happens on the Paramount lot? What do you guys do on the lot? Oh my, it, you know, Hollywood lot. Oh, it, I, I go, oh, you wanna know what we do? Gary Marshall put a hoop outside of stage 19. And we, when we wanted, we, sh we did, you know, we shot baskets. That's <laughs> was very sexy. It was very, very, it was very, very, very. It's just a huge moment of our day. We shot hoops. You know, what do you think about this? Well, I don't know. What do you? Think? Oh, I got. You. What do you think about? This? Yeah, I think it's pretty. Yeah, that was it. It was as basic as basic. Now I have Man. to ask because it's bothering me for years. Why weren't you in the last episode? Um, I'm not gonna say. <laughs> 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 you're allowed <laughs> you're certainly allowed <laughs> i was there i watched i was there at the last episode and when want to hear boy i was at the last episode and, and, and at the end little party and all that but talk about stupidity um mickey gerard was our uh, costumer and um henry you know had his leather jacket in the smithsonian and he owned one and then there was one extra, there were three, right? And I'm walking by uh, the wardrobe room there and Mickey just, hey, Anson, want this? It was the third leather jacket. I go, nah, 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 nah. You know what that's worth? I could be retired with you, Ike. <laughs> well, that's amazing because my wife literally, before I came up to do the show with you, and she always amazes me when she says, here's the question I want you to ask him. What was the best thing he took from the set? 
because I've got a little collection of props and things from, you know, Witch Mountain and other things that I've done. And, and sometimes you had to really fight to get those things because they didn't want to let them go. But, you know, being, it helps being, you know, the star of the show. So, you know, they're a little bit more generous about that. But, but that's a better story. The one you gave up, maybe not the one that you took. I mean, did you have any keepsakes from the show? Oh, I can keep, I can keep going. I can show how stupid I am. Oh, uh, they were, uh, remember toward the end of Happy Days, they're trying to save the show, and they thought they'd make it into a Bratskeller, so they were going to burn down Happy Days, and they make it, and they made it into Bratskeller. It, it happened uh. like toward the last couple of years of the show. So what they do is they're going they're going to like really like burn up, you know, make it burn it up, make it look, you know, and screw up. What's there? And they came up to and the construction comes up and said, Would you like us to save the center booth for you? Oh. And, <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah, tell me about it. Yeah. <laughs> I'd have a bigger house than you. <laughs> oh, you sure would. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Can you imagine that? Oh my god. Jacket in the middle. Of, and here's the good one too. So between the jacket and the middle booth. That have been that's like eight educations, college, whatever. That's like uh-huh. that's better than oceanfront real estate. So yeah. <laughs> oh, and then they said, then they said, Anson, you know, you know the jukebox that we and everything else, you can have it for a thousand dollars. Nah. Yeah. <laughs> you can have just your own you can have man. your own theme park with just those three things <laughs> those three things i'm done it's better than three you know pristine ferraris man it's like you can oh it's yeah better than a cobra you know oh my what? god oh Show my god cobra. yeah <laughs> yeah but i did keep i did keep my uh, my varsity my school jacket awesome in fact i put it up for auction and Giuseppe, who is always is the largest Happy Days fan, he started the Happy Days fan club in Milan, Italy, outside of Milan, Italy, years ago. He, he has the world record of the most Happy Days memorabilia. He's a, he's a radiologist. He's a doctor. Hmm. And I sold it. I auctioned it, and I'm glad he because I knew he would he would um, take care of it for life. <laughs> that it would be respected, and you know, it'll always be part of uh, part of that collection. Mm-hmm. So yeah, did that. That was about. That was about. That's about it. Wow. <laughs> ask so interesting. Kept, ask me if I kept any scripts. Oh no! See, I don't even have my original script from Escape Witch Mountain, and it, 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 it kill it kills me. Absolutely kills me. I do have an original <laughs> harmonica, though. I do have one of the original. Actually, harmonicas. I did. I did see the original script of Witch Mountain. Oh really? Have, I did yeah, you can have it for $35,000. Okay. Don't feel that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. It's, you know what? I'm, I'm, not that, I'm, not that, I'm not that attached to it, actually. <laughs> I, I, just know what you, I just want to show what you could have had. You could have had a yeah, bigger sure. house right now. A bigger house. I know. I know. That would, that would have been, that's a bathroom and a kitchen. Come on. You know? Exactly. Exactly. Oh, my God. That's fantastic. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I never saw it. <laughs> Well, let me ask you also, during the height of happy days, you have this great story that I was reading about. I, I don't know the whole thing, though. You made a visit to the White House, and President Ford's daughter steals you away. So what? Kidnap what me, man. Kidnap me. Kidnap you. <laughs> so, what's that story? You got to buy the book, man. It's... 
<laughs> well, we'll help sell some of the books. No, I'll tell you this. No, no, singing to a bulldog. You know, I was, I was, yes, literally, kid. I'm in the literally kidnapped in the White House to Harold Melvin of the concert. Mer Harold Melvin of the Blue Note concert. Yep, I had a White House toothbrush on the uh, residential floor to brush my teeth. And let me tell you, the towels back then. They're a holiday in, man. Nothing great. Oh. So <laughs> I was in the solarium having a beer. All right. Watching Liberty on the on the on the, on the White House lawn. Yeah. Me. AW. Wow. Yep. Up there. Yep. No, you know, it, it, I felt like that's why I, I feel like Forrest Gump. Like, what the hell am I doing here? <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, it's like, are you kidding me? I would have, are you kidding me, man? That's <laughs> it so amazing. Fun, it was fun. But <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, That's incredible. I met Elvis Presley too in a in a parking oh, wow. lot in Monroe, Louisiana. And he, you want do you want to know the story? Yeah, uh, yeah probably. <laughs> Absolutely. It's a huge by, the, by the book. Right. By the book. <laughs> I actually did. <laughs> so well, don't so worry. When this is on YouTube, all it's going to be is your 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 memoir up there on the yeah, screen, right. so everybody knows uh, knows what to buy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't it's wait not to a memoir. Yeah. Actually, it's not a memoir. It's actually motivational. It's actually paying forward uh, someone in my life that I, again I wouldn't be talking to you without he was with without him. He's a uh, he was African American, fifty some years old. I got an uh, assistant janitor job in high school, he was my boss, the main janitor. Hmm. Not well-educated, but he called his, uh, the, janitorial, the janitorial room, the talk room. And he hmm. had two big oil jump cans there and we would talk. And I was going through a hard time back then in high school. And he, uh, he's the first adult to talk to me, not at me. Hmm. And he helped me, the time I worked there, he helped me find me and actually gave me the confidence to move forward in life. So you never know, your hero is not gonna be some movie star or some billionaire. It's gonna be some unknown person. It could be a janitor, it could be a grocer, it could be an engineer that just connects you, that just that somehow connects with you and moves you forward and takes the time to do it. So be very open to feel that connection and don't judge them by title, judge them by heart. Oh man, that's... Um very sage advice absolutely i couldn't i couldn't agree more i i felt like my my influences came from uh you know very different aspects of uh of the business and yeah just 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 my experiences i feel very fortunate for for all those i mean it, I, you know it's i i'm so happy to hear about <coughs> gary marshall being so supportive about thinking about the business more dynamically than just being focused on on an acting career because that's what so many so many actors get caught up in they don't think about the bigger picture i tried to uh, you know i did have some aspirations to move into directing and i always admired you guys that made that transition and were successful at it because you were prolifically successful um in television directing and anyone who looks up your imdb and takes a moment to you know find out everything that you did will be uh duly impressed um did you, how did you find that 
for you? Was it as satisfying to you moving away from performing into behind the camera or did it allow you something different to express or how was that? How did that affect you artistically? Oh, I, from the beginning of the 80s, I knew I, knew I wouldn't all my life that really it was a nice it was i had a little gift to certain things acting wise but um not 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 to go down i, I wouldn't win the race you know because my heart was behind the camera it really mm -hmm. was i mean i i think limitations as an actor and no limitations writing or creating or being behind the camera I, it was so much more satisfying i it was just night and day you know mm -hmm. night and day and and it was and it was always challenging it was always new it was always there's always the unknowns creating something from nothing working with all these people all the you know sometimes very frustrating sometimes incredibly um just wonderful and, and fun but it was just it was just a very um just a very special place to be behind the camera and yeah and uh it was just, my, I never look back, never, mm -hmm. never look back. You know, same thing with music singing and all that. Uh, you know, I, I stopped, I just, in fact, it was interesting. <clears throat> I was trying to, you know, I was a teeny bopper, right? And you didn't, you didn't have to sing with the screams. You just kind of mouthed, moved your butt. It was fine. <laughs> <laughs> you know, grabbed your check and flew home. But, uh, <laughs> but, but, um, and then I, I wanted I, I wanted to progress into a, you know a more sophisticated area, and Sammy Davis Jr. had seen me on Merv Griffin, and uh, I was trying to get into the into the you know nightclubs, and, and he was he was at Harris Reno with Bill Cosby, and he and he had to for some reasons leave for four four days for for four show four nights. And so anyway, um, and he accepted me and, and Harris Reno, I replaced him. So it was my first big opportunity in a, in a adult club. So, um, so I, I put a show together and I, 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 yeah, I, I opened, so it was like a half hour and boy, they're strict about that. There's a clock on stage, man. Cause it's like, you're done. Cosby's on, you're off. They go gamble. That's it. So, um, <laughs> So, so anyway, I, um, the opening night, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a little nervous and, uh, I always open the show from the back of the room. So everyone would be seated. Then I'd come around where the entrance is and they go, ladies and gentlemen, Harris Reno presents da, 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 da. and it goes, boom, boom, boom. I couldn't sleep at all last night. Da, da, da. Just thinking every, and I open the door and I'm going through the audience, right? I get to the second verse. I kick the blankets to the floor. And I, some guy sitting there, right? Light goes on, Sammy Davis Jr. And I'm like, I kick the blankets to the screwed <laughs> me up. Like, and I'm going, and I'm going, I'm going, and he's like this, he's like this. I'm going, I'm thinking, what are you doing here? <laughs> so, so I, I, so I go through the route, and I'm going, I kick the <laughs> end up on stage people are howling laughing and i told people i said you want to know why i flip the sammy davis jr's in the audience he's like all pissed off you know? so <laughs> I, do the show causes 
So at the end, now I have, dig this. You want to talk about Forrest Gump, the White House. Better in the White House, I have Sammy Davis Jr.'s dressing room. All right. Oh. I'm in there going, where's Dean? Where's Frank? Where's Joey? I'm, you know, where's the, come on, guys, let's have a drink. They had a full bar in it, the dressing room. Wow. A place to get rid I mean, it was like an apartment, you know? And I had his dresser, I had his bartender. I'm, like, I'm going, no one will believe this. So <laughs> it's the end of the show. It's the end of the show. I'm in there and waiting, and I, and I hear, Where's my man? Where's my man? Sammy Davis Jr. I like what you did to not have it. And I'm having a drink with Sammy Davis Jr. Wow. Going, so how's this? Uh, you call him Frank? Is he close? Can, you know, can he join us? You know? <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I do that, get decent reviews and all that. And then uh, Lola Falana was headlining at Resorts International and I was, he recommended me as a good friend to co-bill with her, Resorts International mm. in Atlantic City. So there we are, man. So there we, and, now, and it's a bigger deal. So I'm there, but there was a, there was a, the lounge was right out. Again, I, I did the main entrance to go through and the lounge is right by the main entrance. And it was Bobby V, five shows a night. That, and I looked and I went, it's just, it's going to be me. Maybe, maybe it's gonna, maybe I'll, maybe I'll last that long and do five shows a night in the lounge. Maybe, mm. probably not. Probably won't even be that. Probably couldn't even get that. And it just hit, I, it, it hit me. I said, I felt it's over. It's done. Move on. Answer. It's done. At the time they were negotiating the Sahara in Vegas when it was the Sahara back then. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> I, I, I finished the gig, but that night, I, at the end, I put that at the end, I put that mic down, never picked it up again. Call my agent, cancel the Sahara deal. No, I'm oh, done. Wow. What are you talking about? I'm done. And I went totally behind the camera. Yeah. And never, and never looked back. Never looked back. Wow. I would yeah, sing I... Star Spangled Banner once in a while. I would sing the Star Spangled Banner once in a while because you got eight <laughs> free seats. Yeah, <laughs> and free food. So I went. I'll do that. I'll, I'll go. I'll, I'll do that. That, that. That's about the extent of it. Well, I always felt I, 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 you know, I was. I felt like you. I was very objective about, um, you know, about about who I was as as an actor and, and where I could go and where I couldn't go. And I, I kind of knew, you know, w where things were at. That's why I was prepared for a transition. And I think you have to know that because this the business is strange it's volatile you know sometimes even when you quit sudden, suddenly something can come your way that's still back in in your old wheelhouse and it can change things but i really uh, admire incredibly your 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 foresight and your ability to you know to make that to, to make that choice because it's hard for a whole lot of people they some they hang on too long you know they hang on too long because they just don't really know where they fit in the hierarchy have you, have you ever seen back to sing not a hard change, not a hard choice. <laughs> well, so you're going to work with, with Don Most again, uh, your YouTube show called Harvest Time. Marrying yeah, April man. First. Well, can you tell us about that show? What can you tell us about it? Well, it, you know, I wish they could, people could see it, but it's in all these festivals now. So you can't, you can't put it on YouTube or anything. 
but it's just we wanted to it was just for fun uh and actually as acting again but it, it was it was someone had an idea wouldn't it be great to do an anthology series where you get iconic duos and put them together again in a totally different totally different arena totally and mm. see if it works will that chemistry still work will people accept them in a total different genre total different place mm. and they call it take two with the ah. so they asked me so if I, I if i they said don said if i did it i was directing it but if, if they would pick it up and be if ron and i did it if, if don and i did it it'd be finance so there i am stuck acting again and uh I, I only did it just just for the pot just to see if, just just for the pilot plus it was a challenge and the script was so brilliant it was um um uh, written by the uh by david mammoth's uh protege it, it was um fred stropples his name and mammoth loved him so mm. he he wrote this half hour little half hour film that was just amazing and uh the basic premise, and it's it's a it's funny, but it's it, and it's dramatic, and it's dark, very dark, and a lot of profanity because it fits it fits the 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 you know tone of the show. Uh, it's very challenging to direct because of my limitations with it, uh, but it came out so well because um, of a lot of collaboration. Um, but basically, the basic premise is uh, he's Don's my brother. And uh, I'm and I'm gonna I'm I'm on um, dialysis machine in my apartment, and married, and I'm gonna die if I don't get a new kidney, and my brother is donating donating me his kidney so I can live. And he comes over, but unbeknownst to me, I degraded I, I kind of I guess I um, degraded him all his life as a younger brother, you know, kind of like like, but I, I I didn't know it, but he held this grudge. And he come, he come in, and we're talking, and I'm, and he goes, "I have to tell you something." What? I sold the kidney. <laughs> you want? Yeah, on eBay. On eBay, sold the kidney. Don't worry, <laughs> might get another one. And that's how baby. That's that. Yeah. You sold my kidney. You sold my kidney. He goes. No, no. He goes. I said, you sold kidney. He goes. My kidney. My kidney. Yeah. Oh my God. And, you, and there's the premise of the show. And it's it's hysterical. It's also poignant. Oh, I, I saw a couple of clips fantastic. from it, and, and you, you the, the chemistry between the two of you was fantastic. It was just unbelievable. I, I was like, I was looking forward to seeing it. And uh, so it's going to be out on April, right? And for everyone to see? I think so. I think so. Yeah. We'll be able to put it back on. Yeah. And, and I also read that you're doing this benefit with the Hollywood Museum, and uh, that. I cannot wait for the with the Hollywood Museum squares. A lot of celebrities, a lot of like game, former game show hosts. You tell yeah, us that was fun. Stuff. That was fun doing that show, and it ha and you had all the original hosts: Tom Bergeron, Peter Marshall, John Davidson. They all mm. they all hosted, and just wonderful group of talent. And and, and it was interesting. It's during COVID, so we did it all via Zoom. I mean, they literally we played the squares from our house. That's oh amazing. yeah, everyone sure. together. It's what it was wild. I mean, it was like crazy. It was really good. <laughs> it's like we were there. We're not there. But I do miss. I remember when I did um, 
the real Hollywood Squares with Peter Marshall decades ago, I always told people, watch the Thursday and Friday shows because you do five in a day, you know, mm. that the, and, and after, after show three, you go to lunch or dinner, right? And there's huge bottles of wine on the table. We are so stunk for, for the Thursday and Friday show. We're loose, man. It's like, <laughs> it's like night and day. You, you watch, watch the Thursday show versus the Monday show. Not the same people. No. <laughs> oh, yeah. that's fantastic. Yeah. That's so I will always, I'll tell people, any, if any show where there's five in a day, eat to the, watch Thursday and Friday. <laughs> yeah, so there you go. Very irreverent. A lot of fun. And when, oh when will those be gosh. up? I think they're up now. Oh, they're they are up now. now. I think if you go to the, if you just Google like Hollywood Museum, uh, Hollywood Museum, uh, Hollywood Squares, it'll take you where you're supposed to go. I, maybe, I don't know, you might have the information um, with you. I don't know the exact website. It could be just Hollywood Museum and it's on there. I'm looking forward to that. We'll put it up when we post this episode. We're going to put it up on the screen as well. Yeah, well, no, I want to. I want. I want to um, bring up your Alert Drops uh, product, and and yes. Yes, I remember you telling me about this years ago, and it's an incredibly fascinating uh, idea. And you had shared with me how much you enjoyed working in in product design these days. Um, yeah. Tell us a little bit more about that and, and, and what's happening with it. Well, well it's, it's a lifesaver. And uh, it really was developed in conjunction with my late uncle, Dr. Heimlich, who created the Heimlich Maneuver. Mm. And, uh, it, it all, and years ago, before I went into the product business, directing, uh, I was um, uh, working uh, in a very remote location. It was hot, dehydrated. Uh, really difficult uh, work day, and um, and it's it was in the desert right outside of Los Angeles. So um, not long after I was driving back home, I blacked out. I fell. Asleep. I just fell asleep. And seconds later, woke up. But I could have killed myself. I could have killed somebody. Really scared oh, me. Gosh. So uh, I talked to Hank about it, Dr. Heimlich, and he said. Um, Anson, just have some cut up lemons in your car when it, all, all the time. He said, if you feel tired or exhausted, bite into it. And he explained how the citric acid in sour lemon hits the lingual nerve on top of your tongue. And the reflex reaction of the body is adrenaline. Boop, you're up, you're alert, nothing in your system. Just like going to the doctor, they check your reflexes, your knees, your elbows, your hmm. and a sensory connection with tongue and brain. And the reflex reaction is, is adre adrenaline, and you're up, you're alert, you kill yourself. So I did that for years. I uh, I bit into lemons, and 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 by the way, Hank was brilliant at, at at knowing how the body works. You know, simple simple little cures for things. He just knows how the body works. So I had this. Then I I into the creating creating problem solving products, and uh, for year, we were ten years on QVC, and. Uh, and I was researching um, drowsy driving, but it went beyond that. Exhaustion in America's rent. So not only is it killing yourself, but being falling asleep, being exhausted driving, the work, kids uh, staying up all night, studying for finals, taking too much coffee, taking too many energy drinks, ending up in the hospital, overdosing and all that stuff. Um, um, 
tired, tired moms with their, I mean, all sorts of reasons where you need to have instant cl clarity. So um, I had this idea I, 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 and I called Hank. I said, Hank, being, it's the top of the tongue. Why can't we create a spray drop? The right amount of sour lemon, the right amount of citric acid, water, a bit of preservative for, for shelves, for longevity. And he says, he, he said, oh, he said, apps. He said, oh my God, it'll be a direct hit, more powerful than a lemon. Um, he said, you, he said, it definitely will save more lives maneuver. More people are exhausted than choking. Do it. So we did it. And it's called Alert Drops. So people go to alertdrops.com, alertdrops.com. Not only can they read all about it, Dr. Heimlich's uh, input, all, all the uh, proven science, MIT 50 years ago, um, all we do is make a better scooter. You'll see all the science how it works, how it works. You'll see we've been honored by the United States Congress already, been honored by the California State Senate, City of LA, Fire Department, you name it. But more importantly, we saved a lot of lives. We saved a lot of, we prevented a lot of unnecessary tragedies. And um, um, it, so it, it's, it, all the information is there. Uh, and then you can order it on alertjobs.com. It's very reasonable. It's it, it, one last, well, it's over 80 sprays. So pretty much lasts a month or more. It's less than two Starbucks coffees. So, you know, it'll do a lot more than that. So um, I tell people, go to alertjobs.com and really prevent tragedies. Your sons, your husbands, your husband, your, uh, your wives, your friends. You should, it should, this, should be, this should be something we all have in our pocketbook. And then I tell people too, hey, if you can't afford it or you don't want to get a, a spray, then have cut up lemons with you. That mm -hmm. will work for you. That will work too, a um, little messier, but, uh, that'll, <laughs> yeah. that, that, but that'll work too. I just care about, so how in this crazy world where we have no control, we have control of this. We can stop this. So easy, so easy to stop this very simple science. You know, kudos That's, to you for absolutely. really coming up with a brilliant product. Well, thank Well, it's not Dr. Heimlich. I mean, I would have never known anything about that, how it would work. I just, I just, we just created a better, a, a better scooter, you know, but yeah, yeah but it, but I'll tell you, it works, it works and it will save your life. Absolutely yeah. save your life. Amazing. So, Amazing. And, uh, and not, and not hurt health. Cause all this other stuff's terrible. The, the, you know, it's such bad marketing out there. This energy junk, you know, it's, it's not energy. It's, it's, it's just poison. And even yeah. caffeine, they say, oh, drink coffee. Well, it takes 20 minutes to take effect. One. Mm -hmm. And two, you need too much of it. And, that, and now your whole sleep pattern's screwed up. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's ridiculous. So um, this is it. It's all you need. It's all you need. Mm. That's incredible. A little spray, little, spray in your, little spray in your tongue. Boop. You're good. You're good. You'll get home safe. Amazing. Before we let you go, we want to know what, what you're working on next. Well, actually, well, I am... There's a couple of really good things that are, that are probably going to get picked up, but I can't say anything about them right now. <laughs> but uh, it's more, well, yeah, well, yeah. But it's more, it's it's kind of a it's a whole new level of reality show, which uh, and I really like that because you get them all, you get it's quick, it's it's wonderful. Um, they're they're really positive shows, but I, I love how, I love that you know it's not three years in development and all that you know scripts and this and that. 
So uh, it's going to be pretty, they're too clever, very entertaining um, um, shows. That have, and I, I think they'll both be coming on. So. Well, when, when they come out, we'd love to have you back to discuss them. <laughs> so. Okay, I will. I will. <laughs> but again, no, thank you. This has been an absolute pleasure for me. I grew up watching you. I loved the, loved the show, loved your performance. Uh, thank you so much for appearing with us today. You bet. You bet. And I, I stay in touch, man. Oh, absolutely. Are you kidding? I, yeah. I look forward to seeing you out here again sometime uh, sometime this year. I don't know if you yeah, will and be. Also, but... uh, and also, uh, if you get to L.A., do you ever get to L.A.? Oh, yeah. I have. I, I was I was in L.A. the end of last year, but only for like 36 hours, literally. So I didn't have time oh. to really see anybody. But next time I will, we will get together and, uh, yeah. you know, yeah, have some Starbucks. <laughs> that's cool too. that's cool too yeah well thank you no thank you so much for doing the show we, we really appreciate it we really do it's been fun thanks for having me on it's a blast stay in touch absolutely 100%. guys this has been pop culture retro i'm jonathan rosen along with ike eisenman and we thank anson williams for joining us and as always please subscribe Thank you for listening to Pop Culture Retro, where no one was hurt during the making of this podcast.